Welcome back to the movies, a self-explanatory podcast. I'm continuing my backlog, and today I'm knocking out Studio 666, directed by BJ McDonald, starring my favorite band, the Foo Fighters, in a gory horror comedy about them trying to record their next record, their 10th record, in, in this creepy encino mansion where it turns out some dark shit happened the last time a band tried to record there and it could be the spirits and ghosts of that you know fucked upery are back to haunt them and potentially put an end to the foo fighters as we know it uh this is something that i thought originally was a joke whenever it came out or at least the announcement for it and then, no, Googling it, it's legit, it's real. Foo Fighters decided to fuck around and make a movie because, God forbid, Dave Grohl just does something other than, you know, stay awake. Like, does Dave Grohl ever sleep? It turns out, if you're a fan of the Foo Fighters, they dropped an album, Medicine at Midnight, in 2021. It turns out, from 2019... To that year, not only were they, they were not just content with making an album. They decided while they were making the album in this mansion that they use in the movie, they're also going to make a horror comedy that's going to be released a little bit after the movie. And on top of that, Dave is like, oh, because this is about a fictional band and the album that drove them crazy and, you know, led to some evil shit going down, I'm going to make a separate album from that band again dave grohl get some fucking sleep jesus does the man do yoga does he like drink tea and chill the fuck out because no dave is not satisfied with just making an album there has to be an entire multimedia production that is completely separate and different vibes from the dance record that they just made now they have to go into this dark ass metal shit oh god i this isn't, this is a, what is it, an APB or like a, what is it, a public, not really a public service announcement, it was more of a GSA, a girl service announcement. My sir, please, please get some sleep. Stop with the coffee if you're with the coffee again. But anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. Like, these guys come in, they hear the mansion's got some fucked up stories about the band that recorded their last, this crazy metal record, and it seems like the spirits that are still living there are now bothering Dave and, you know, mayhem and goriness ensues. And the way you kind of describe Studio 666 is as if what would happen if 13-year-old Daniel decided to write and direct his own movie. Because I was getting obsessed with horror movies, and it feels like even if the pieces don't necessarily fit, that, you know, Dave and crew wrote a story that's like, oh, I'm interested in... Amityville and I'm interested in Evil Dead and I like The Shining and I like all these crazy horror movies there's like references to Friday the 13th and there's stuff for Nightmare on Elm Street and it seems like every little horror idea or cliche or thing that sounds kick-ass in their head they just threw it all together and in a blender and just went for it and for most people I can see how this will be so absurd that it turns them off. But to me, the absurdity... Like, I never went into this movie ever expecting to take anything about it seriously at all 100%.
and I just kind of like watching, instead of rock and roll camp, it's like metal camp, you know? They've got these actors that are in the movie, uh, Jeff Garland from the Goldbergs, and Whitney Cummings, who's a comedian. They've got Will Forte from Last Man on Earth. Uh, a couple of cameos that one of them, I was like, oh, that's kind of subtle. I'm not used to seeing this guy look that way. That's weird, but kind of awesome. I like that. And there's one that is so off guard that I just literally went, what? <laughs> oh openly out in the theater i'm just looking at this going what in the fuck is happening right now but it's all fits in that sort of goofiness never take yourself seriously and i mean if you've ever watched a foo fighters music video they are not averse to making fools of themselves they are the first people to dress up and drag they are the first people to get into a silly outfit and do like cringe like the kind of corny the kind of unabashedly stupid and goofy humor that will either make you cringe or giggle in your dumbest guffaw along with them you know like watch learn to fly watch long road to ruin watch anything even to the like white limo the music video they are not afraid to just go absurd and off the walls because in their brains like music videos are just commercials so fuck it who cares the music is what's important, so watching this movie is just honestly an extension of that. Uh, the, one of the things that I wish the movie would have done a little bit better, and it, it kind of feels that way just from, you know, the, the dynamic of the band. It seems like an exaggeration of what the Foo Fighters dynamic is. Uh, Dave has kind of made a joke about him being the benevolent dictator, so, of course, the whole movie features Dave being the one who's prominently affected by these evil spirits, and he's kind of being the asshole to the rest of the band. And I feel like that works as a dramatic thing, but it kind of leaves the rest of the band out. And I wish there's more interactions with the rest of the band, because there are some moments in here that are hilarious. One of the things that I really liked was that the newest member of the band, Rami Jaffe, who's been playing keyboards with the band, like, on and off on tour since, like, 2006, but now he officially became a member. He's the one that gets a lot of the comedy. He's the one that's kind of, like, a moment to shine that, you know, longtime fans of the band who, I'll admit, sometimes I listen to songs and I don't even hear the keyboards in the back. I don't really even hear his contribution officially. That seeing him front and center, being goofy, being this, like, uh, spacey kind of gypsy-esque dude who's also got the hots for Whitney Cummings as part of a subplot. That stuff was great, and I like seeing him be this over-the-top goofball among a bunch of over-the-top goofballs. Uh, I'm convinced now that Pat Smear could kick everyone's ass in a fight. Uh, Chris Shiflett gets some fucking moments that actually made me laugh out loud in the theater because I did not expect it from him. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to a very small group of folks that, like, without having to explain who each member is and what they do in the band, you know, I, li I like, it feels niche in that sense that if you're a Foo Fighters fan, if you're a fan of heavy rock music or metal, like, not just a fan of something like learn to fly that you would hear on the radio 15 times a day but if you're a fan of stuff like 
the first record or if you're a fan of low or if you're a fan of white limo or like the heavier foo fighters things the things that make you go oh i'm a fan of queens of the stone age whenever dave Grohl was drumming for them or oh remember when dave Grohl grabbed a bunch of metal heads in the community like legends up and in, including lemmy from motorhead to be in this like one-off side metal project you know if you're into that type of vibe and all the things that come with it because you know metalheads horror movies comics it kind of all fits in that sort of larger than life uh boundary shattering art forms that are going to be able to take some of the darker fucked up parts in our heads and put it out in a way that is uh productive and helps us kind of deal with our own shit if you're into all of that i find that just kind of let your brain loose and enjoy a dumbass comedy the gore is top notch though uh, I'm aware of this man because of his daughter. Uh, Tony Gardner is one of the makeup, uh, like, dudes on the set. And his daughter is on TikTok, uh, his daughter Kyra, and she, uh, grew up watching him do makeup effects for something like Child's Play series. And so she's got a bunch of Child's Play memorabilia, but Tony Gardner has been in stuff like the remake of The Blob, like Chuck Russell's The Blob, or he's done the makeup for Hocus Pocus, and now he's doing the makeup for this movie, and it definitely feels of that era, that sort of like rubber and latex and foam and corn syrup and, you know, chunks and brains, like all of this stuff you see in the makeup effect, which makes these kills... You know, for a movie about a band making a horror film, like, you're, I think I'm inclined to think of something like The Beatles, Hard Day, Hard Day's Night, or like Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, or something that's like, oh, the band's not really gonna get in that much trouble. No, you see some fucked up, visceral, horrific shit happen to these guys. And it kind of makes me clap, because makeup is great, and I love special effects, and the kind of realization that they didn't have to tone themselves down on the horror aspects, the really, like, crunchy, nutty, gooey-ooey stuff of horror is comforting. Uh, yeah, it, it was one of those beautiful things that's kind of borrowed from a slasher, is, you know, how absurd can we get with these kills, you know? I can only imagine that the band members are sitting there arguing about which one of them is going to get the best version of themselves knocked out. That kind of thing. It's it's actually really nice. And I love uh, kind of being part of that. The movie isn't scary. <laughs> it's just not. You know, it, it's a movie where Dave Grohl is reacting and screaming like a little girl when he's getting scared by ghosts or these... Uh, shadowy figures they basically all look like paralysis demons you know these silhouettes with red eyes and maybe some teeth you know that's that's something that goes on and if you take half a second to think about the story you're like wait we were talking about these spirits and how we bring these into here and like what makes sense this way if you're trying to make sense of this movie don't um oh i forgot to mention this will be not only the fourth time this year but the fourth time in a quarter, in a span of three months, that I see Jenna Ortega in a movie. Because she's in Scream, she's in The Fallout, she's in this movie, and then I think next week, 
Ty West X is coming out. That horror movie about a porn star crew. Like a a crew of people trying to make a porno in the middle of like some Texas farmhouse or whatever. Like she's going to be in movies four times in a span of three months. And even though she isn't given a lot to do in this movie, I feel bad. Like Jenna Ortega, I've seen her way too many times like crawling away from someone trying to kill her. But uh, she's solid. You know, you don't even get to really see her twice in the movie. But, I don't know, something about Jenna Ortega just tells me that she's an actress who understands the assignment and just delivers. You know, I feel like she has, I don't know if she's going to be a character actress, or I don't know if she's really going to lean more into the lead roles. You know, I'd like to see her be one of those actresses that, like, whenever she shows up in a movie, you just know it's going to be solid. And so far, she's got that good level. Uh, She can be the screen queen and, you know, shriek at the top of her lungs, but she can also, uh, there's a part in this movie where she gets to be kind of stone-faced, and sort of cold and icy, and I, it's not a lot of time, but I felt that. It's good shit. Um, I don't know, I feel like Studio 666, you walk into it, and you know what you get. It's a, like I said, metalhead camp, you know, you've got the director who is best known for being a camera operator for like decades on all kinds of movies uh from the smallest horror films to just all over the place but he's most famous for doing slayer videos and the composer of the movie is Roy Mayorga who's been the drummer for Stone Sour and for Hell Yeah and this movie's got just a bunch of metalheads going in a room and just making whatever goofy shit comes to their brains because they love that kind of thing. And I like looking at all the references to horror movies. And even though some of them didn't pay off as well as I'd want them to, it was still just fun getting to kind of embrace that era of movie making. The sort of 80s and potentially late 70s versions of horror films when... You know, it was just absurd. And I kind of just... It's something that wore my heart. It was nice to be able to kind of, like, look behind the scenes while you're watching the movie. Seeing how, you know, someone's head would get punched in, but you could totally see it's just a... What's it called? Just, like, a, a dummy head. Or you could see sort of the blood spill out, or... I don't know, being able to see this stuff kind of go along just like a DIY play, it definitely fits the Foo Fighters aesthetic that they've been doing forever. It's just like, you know, we're not going to ask for permission to do stuff. We're just going to do it and have fun with it. And who cares if it's not going to win any Oscars or who cares if it's not going to win a Grammy or whatever. We're just going to do it for the pure enjoyment of doing it. And in a season... Or at least a couple years where I've been watching movies and sometimes I just feel like, God, everything looks the same. Or just everything feels like it's built with a bunch of blue or green walls in the background. It is weirdly refreshing to see something that looks cheesy and amateur and just that it's not relying on itself being slick, but instead just relying on having some good old-fashioned meat and potatoes fun that 
yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it's and again, call me a Foo Fighters fanboy because I am, and I'm you know I watched this movie the day that I finished reading Dave Grohl's book about the stories that he's told in his life. So it's one of those things where yeah, I'm a massive fan, and that's kind of what I love about the Foo Fighters. I got to watch my favorite band be stupid and like cut some heads off and fight demons or whatever the fuck for two hours and. I watched it with my best friend, who's also a Foo Fighters fanatic, and so yeah, it's one of those movies where, you know, where you enter going into it having a good time, then I think you'll just have a good time, man. It was a good ass. It was a good ass time, and uh, yeah, that's all I can say about Studio Six Six Six. Thank you again for listening. I've been Daniel Berrios. If you want to follow me in the podcast on Twitter, just hit up at the movies underscore pod. And I'm going through the backlog. I'm going to be talking about Power of the Dog and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And eventually I'm going to talk about the Batman and Pixar's Turning Red. I'm hoping to catch up and talk more about movies with y'all. And yeah, thank you very much again. And until next time, y'all take care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.